He cannot disappear. Maybe hit him high, but what else could he do? He can't disappear. In slow motion, it looks a little bit bad. But accidents happen. They do. He's done his knees. Yeah, he's done his Well, this is incredible. Now will come the magic sponge. There it is. No scissors, no tape. Built. Just a dirty old sponge and it's worked. The sponge can wipe out a pandemic. It can cure us all. Yes, welcome back to the Magic Sponge Podcast, a miracle cure for all your rugby league injury issues. My name is Brian Sini. Look, most of you know me as the guy behind the NRL physio, social media pages. Look, my fellow NRL Nuffy and physio co-host, James, he's always with us on a Sunday night, mate. You were in, you were out, you were in, you were out this afternoon, but you are here with us. It's good to have you. How are you going? Brian, I'm going really good. Firstly, good evening. lot to cover tonight, Brian, because we've obviously... The Magic Sponge is a Broncos and Dolphins slurp fest. We've already established that, so we can talk about that extensively tonight. But I guess in my situation, you definitely can't question my commitment tonight because I'm actually on the record at the moment. My wife's waters have broken, but she hasn't gone into labour. So I am truly committed to the Magic Sponge podcast tonight, and I'm playing a very, very dangerous game of... Uh, wait and see what happens if I have a child tonight or at some point in time in the near future. So that's where I'm at tonight, Brian. How are you? Mate, I, like, I feel like there would be no lesser expectation. Like, I feel like you, you still get 5G at the bedside. So, you know, just plug in the earphones and away you go. Yeah, absolutely. I'll bring it into theatres if I need to. Yeah, I'll just right. say, all right, guys, I don't want any background music. I just want to um, actually have a talk to my good friend Brian and record a podcast. Thank you very much. Oh, I love it. I love it, mate. No, I'm on a massive high, as I'm sure you're about to be, or a ma- bit of a massive high followed by a fair few months of lows and highs, as we know as parents. But uh, my my third child, because I have two wonderful girls, but my third child, which is the mighty Redcliffe Dolphins or the Dolphins or whatever you want to call them, are just humming along, mate. I cannot believe it as you know i did have had very low expectations and they are just uh, yeah i'm speechless as to how they're performing it's fantastic i cannot be more excited for this friday night like i i have it in my gut that you know like setting those low expectations once again that the broncos are going to roll over them and stuff like that but who would have thought that we get to round four everyone had this penciled in we've got you know suncorp sold out a week in advance two three and oh teams it's just awesome for footy uh, look i can only speak for up here in queensland i don't know what's going on down in new south wales probably not a whole lot of interest but yeah up here it's just awesome hey the hype's big brian and certainly rightly so the two teams playing good footy there's a there's a good bit of banter between wayne and kevy it's master and apprentice sort of stuff there's a lot going on there i've got it pegged in as hopefully the day I can buy a newborn size onesie for my son when he eventually arrives, and that might be the first game of rugby league that he's exposed to. So it'll be a monumental occasion for me for multiple reasons, I would dare say. And, mate, you can name him Felice after you know, could. Poor, old, poor old Finn Diesel, <laughs> who has uh, who's more than likely been rubbed out of that game fairly, I might add, because it was a bit I, of a... I might a, lean towards Reese Walsh, actually, yeah. as, it, <laughs> as it stands at the moment, Brian. I think there might be a case to be made yeah. for locking in hopefully some genetics in 
correspondence to Reese and his gorgeous eyes. Yeah, I think I think if you can get any type of genes, uh, I'm not sure if that's how it works, naming a child after someone and he gets their yeah, genes. We'll try. We'll try. It's worth a try because those genes are some strong stuff. But uh, look, guys, to kick off uh, Magic Sponge for 2023 season, we're really, really stoked to have Steve Kadri and the guys at Delton Financial on board to support the show. Look, if you're a time-poor physio like us and looking to work with a trusted and experienced mortgage broker, make sure you get in touch with Steve. He's a great bloke and loves his footy, which is always a massive plus. Look, he and his team can talk you through the benefits that physios and medical professionals get access to for property lending, which includes cheaper interest rates and lenders' mortgage insurance waivers. His service is free to use, and you can reach out to him on Instagram at delton.financial or on www.deltonfinancialgroup.com. And James, look, I feel like I need to wear headgear these days. The bank's hitting me that hard with these interest rate rises, eh? Yeah, absolutely, Brian. They certainly do not miss with the interest rate rises at the moment. So as you said before, good to have Steve and Delton Financial on board. And I want to echo what I sort of mentioned earlier, Brian. I want to talk about commitment this week. I'm committed to this podcast. I'm committed to you, Brian. I'm also committed to Delton Financial. And they in turn will be committed to you whilst you're investigating your mortgaging and finance options. So as I said previously, if you're a physio or your mates with a physio, if you're treated by a physio, same thing applies if you know someone in that sort of medical realm as well. Get them on to Delton Financial. That's the place you need to go to get sorted out. Love it, mate. And keep an eye out for content from the Magic Sponge and Delton Financial in the coming weeks. But look, guys, as always, this is your podcast for anything NRL injury related. We talk about the injuries. We talk about how it relates to Supercoach. We give you insight that you're not going to get anywhere else, especially when it comes to you know formulating your Supercoach teams every week, what those injuries mean for your players and what you have to do for them. If you find yourself getting value out of this content, head on over to patreon.com slash NRL Physio. Check out what we're doing over there. There's plenty of stuff going on, heaps of questions being answered, write-ups uh, on every injury situation especially those that are fantasy and super coach relevant yeah it's all over there give it a check and uh see what you think but otherwise let's get stuck into the injury wrap for round three i don't know exactly what he's done i would have thought it was an ankle but I, i'm just guessing he shouldn't be out for a long period of time I mean, I'm, I'm no doctor we have to wait for the scans obviously but that'd be more positive than, than negative Round three of the National Rugby League football competition, Brian. But before we talk injuries from the games this week just gone, can you just give us a bit of a rundown of the new rules regarding HIAs and concussions? There's obviously been a lot of questions directed your way about this. And also you've extensively posted about this on the various social media websites. So obviously if you're interested in more information or you want to have a more of an in-depth deep dive with the content Brian has presented there, get around his social media pages. But before we get to the injuries again, Brian, do you want to give us a bit of an update on those things that we just mentioned? Yeah, mate, I think practically for fans, like, Obviously, the big one is that the majority of players and now, if you, they suffer a concussion, they're going to be standing down for eleven days. The good news is, is that, or the like, you know, the good news for players missing games is that th- there's only going to be three cases, I think, of teams this year where they're in a game. If their a player suffers a concussion in that game, they'll have to miss two games um, because they've got two games the following eleven days. So it is quite rare. So if you see all these people saying, "Oh, they're going to miss," you know, two games automatically, it just isn't going to happen. I think it's three 
three out of four hundred and something. Uh, look, the the relevant stuff and what we'll talk about week in week out, so it's worth sort of viewing. Is they are going to treat category one sign concussions and category two sign concussions a bit differently, in that category one signs, which are you really obvious signs. So that's like, and and when we say category one, category two, we're talking about signs and symptoms that they show when they initially suffer the head knock or the whiplash or whatever you want to talk about. You know, if they're knocked unconscious, if they show balance disturbance, if they don't have a protective action in falling to the ground, those are all category one signs. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that the concussion is more severe. It just means the NRL protocols treat that more conservatively. So that player is automatically going to miss 11 days. Whereas if they have category two signs, so that's things like slow to stand, possible, uh, you know, possible seizure, possible uh, loss of balance, these kind of things. So a lot of possible stuff. So a bit more grey area. So not those super obvious ones, those ones where you're like, oh, there potentially could be a concussion there. Let's get him off the field and we'll check him out. Those ones, if they hit other um, criteria as well. So they need to be, their cognitive testing has to be returned to normal. The player has to be asymptomatic the day following. They have to have suffered fewer than five previous career concussions. The player has no previously diagnosed concussions within the previous three months. And the player has no history of a previous concussion with prolonged recovery. Now, if you go through all of those, it's actually that does rule out quite a number of players because there's quite a few players, you know, who've either suffered a concussion in the previous three months, they've got, you know, prolonged recovery, or they have more than five uh, previous career concussions. That's quite a few players. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. So if you can fulfill those criteria, you can come back within 11 days if you're approved by an NRL uh, independent you know, neurologist. Uh, but yeah, effectively, I think you can kind of approach it that most players are going to be missing 11 games and there will be the odd one here and there who will be uh, cleared to come back. So yeah, it's, it's look, to be honest with you, James, I don't think it's as big a change as probably we were thinking purely because there already was an 11 day stand down period in place in the NRL beforehand it's just that the criteria probably wasn't as strict so you just had to you know fulfill a few of those like symptomatic ones but you just had to go and get approval from a from a doctor effectively where an independent doctor whereas now there's things like the five previous career concussions the no previous concussion in three months no prolonged recovery in the past and as long as category one you know isn't there. So yeah, it's it, it's similar. There's just a few more stringent um, criteria in there, which don't get me wrong, will force a lot more guys to sit out for 11 days. Uh, but yeah, look, I, I think overall it is a positive for the game. Yeah, I agree, Brian. There's going to be a lot of wide-ranging implications, isn't it? I guess you've got to look at how teams are constructed salary cap-wise, who's getting what money, depending on their history. You've obviously got the you know the very selfish angle that we have from a super coach perspective. So are there players that you are looking at having in your team or you did have in your team that might have this history um, that's going to sort of shake things up and make it a bit more challenging week to week with the buy in there um, every week now? So a lot of different things are going to happen, but I think ultimately it's a good move for a variety of reasons there. So I, I take your point there. Anything else you wanted to add apart from that, Brian? Because otherwise we can rip into injuries. I'll just quickly say that I think 
what it does, from my perspective, why I sort of said it probably isn't as um, heavy as a lot of people are thinking. Like a lot of those, uh, you know, those criteria, I was already taking to it into account with a lot of players in that, like if you've got a player who has a history of previous concussion with prolonged recovery, they're usually taking multiple weeks off anyway if they suffer another concussion. So like, you know, Luke Keary, for example, uh, you know, Victor Radley, uh, you know, these kind of guys, like when they suffer a concussion and they've got a history there or they've got, you know, prolonged recovery, those kind of things, like usually majority of clubs are sitting them out for multiple weeks anyway. So it kind of locks it in now and makes it a definite. But in my mind, I was pretty much already approaching those guys. And if you read the injury profiles, concussion was consistently the number one thing that I shied away from because I generally found that clubs were getting quite good with those, you know, those guys. They weren't, you know, bringing them back in a week if they had that history there. So I think overall with those kind of complex concussion history guys, it's probably like really probably shouldn't change your your perception of it all that much purely because you should have been thinking about them that way previously anyway. And if you weren't, then it probably will change it. But yeah, that look, they were already missing multiple weeks anyway. Yeah, really nicely summarised, Brian. We might move forward to the injuries from the week. So Manly versus Para was the first game on Thursday night. Matt Dory had a knee concern. You'll be good to talk about him in a bit more detail. And Jack Murchie had a concussion confirmed there, Brian. Give us some detail about Matt Dory firstly. Yeah, mate, a bit of a, con- like, you know, a concerning one for a guy who has a previous right knee ACL in the past couple of years. Went down relatively non-contact um, with a knee injury and sort of came, like he did hobble around for a little bit and tried to play through it, but then came off. Um, look, a few things there, like these days I'm I'm quite handicapped, and if you've noticed I'm not posting sort of that live footage as much as I probably usually am. It's I'm a bit handicapped with grabbing that footage these days. So unfortunately, as much as I really enjoy it, and it's probably the part of NRL Physio that I enjoy the most, I just uh, don't always have access to good, high-quality footage, and that's quite important to sort of, you know, zoom in, slow motion, all that kind of stuff, which gives me a lot of information about what these players have suffered. But from what I did see with Dory, um, you know, the old the, the old school filming off the TV, James, you know, getting your iPhone out, putting it in uh, high-definition mode and, and Back filming. to basics, Brian. Mate, Always works. filming off the TV, how good. But I did think I saw his kneecap shift. Um, so he kind of was in a, a loading position through his quad, and then it did appear that his kneecap shifted to the outside. Uh, now, once again, wasn't a fantastic view, and sometimes a shifting in the knee can be that tibia shifting forward, so it could be the ACL as well. But I am a bit optimistic, hopefully, that that footage was right. It was his kneecap shifting rather than his ACL rupturing. Uh, but, yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait and see on that one. Unfortunately, the Eels are usually – look, they put out an injury report every week to give them credit, but it's it, it's – bare bones it's usually like effectively we'll say matt dory knee expected to miss a period of time like that's usually kind of what they give us so we might not find out um for a while uh sort of what he's done hopefully they give us some sort of indication about when he's due back uh but yeah fingers crossed I'm, i am hopeful that it's more a patella instability than it is an acl but we'll just have to wait and see and then jack murchie murchie with concussion he did have a whole lot of blood everywhere there was mixed reports backwards and forwards but the most recent one i've seen it was a category 
32. So there is potential that he could um, apply for a you know an exemption and and um, come back within a week. But yeah, I, like I'd just be surprised if there's too many clubs sort of trying to roll the dice there. I think a lot of them will probably start to start to give guys a week off, especially someone like Murchie, um, you know, who who comes off the bench and those kind of things. He's you know he, he's someone who they can give a couple of weeks to sort of get right. Um, he's not relied on to play big minutes at this stage. So, yeah, hopefully both of those guys are okay. Yeah, very true. Super coach angle in that game as well, Bron. What do you make of Tommy Turbo and Joshy Schuster? Do you want to sort of give us your slant on what you thought about their performances? Yeah, mate, I did a bit of a write-up on Turbo after the game for Patreon, just sort of saying that, yeah, look, like, you know, he obviously looked a bit underdone in that first week. I posted about it as such. He looked better again the other night. Like, you know, that try scored where he was just hungry for the ball, hit top speed and sort of getting in there is really, really good to see. I think he's only going to get better over the next, you know, two, three weeks, even four weeks. So I think the best is still to come for Turbo. I think if he can stay injury-free now, don't get me wrong, I think the there is still... The increased injury risk there. But if he can stay injury-free, I reckon in a month I would not be surprised if we're just like, you know, he's my captain every week, like automatically, because mm. he's, yeah. he's gone out in his first two games back where he's looked a bit underdone and gone like 90, 100, I think. So yeah. against, you know, a pretty good side the other night. I can't remember who they played in round one, but, you know, a pretty good side the other night in the eels. So yeah, I just think I just think he's it's just gonna be huge. Like if you can if you can acquire him in a draft league for anything, like you probably can't, but if you can, I think he's yeah, he's just gonna go nuclear. Um Josh Schuster, I thought looked pretty good. I was a bit worried about the calf until we found out that it was the right calf was the injury in the preseason and the left calf was the one that was cramping the other night. It doesn't mean, and <laughs> once again, I love my, my DMs when I uh, get something minorly wrong, but uh, yeah, everyone was more than happy to abuse me for getting uh, that it was the right calf, not the left in the preseason. But it doesn't mean like that, that risk of re-injury or aggravation exists across both calves when you have a previous calf injury. So it's not like, you know, because he's had injury in the right calf, it means that the left calf is, is completely safe. Uh, but yeah, apparently only a, a cramp, which is good. But uh, look, as good as he looked, I think he's ended up scoring like 60 with three try assists. It's probably a guy, and we'll talk about Supercoach and stuff later, but probably someone who I want to wait a week on and just du- like double check that he's doing all right. Good summary, Brian. Next down was the Knights versus the mighty Redcliffe Dolphins. They moved to 3-0. They're on the march. Wayne's got them humming. Injury concerns from that game were Daniel Saifidi with a shoulder concern. And then the other thing of note was Felice Kafusi is facing a three to four game suspension due to grade two contrary conduct charge there as well. Yeah, mate, Saifidi's was a weird one. Um, there wasn't a whole lot obvious on the mechanism. Apparently heard a couple of cracks in his shoulder and there was someone sort of saying potentially an AC joint injury. I actually wonder whether, like I wasn't, to be fair, I was in fan mode, so probably... Oh, and actually, I missed the first half of this game because I was still working on Friday night, daylight saving, sticking, stitching me up, which is unfortunate. But um, I don't know whether he potentially suffered it earlier because there didn't seem to be a whole lot of mechanism on his right shoulder um, in that tackle, apart from potentially a subluxation because his arm did get caught awkwardly above his head, which isn't an AC joint mechanism at all. It's more definitely more like a subluxation, so that joint shifting. So I wonder whether it shifted and, and, and caused a couple of little cracks in the in the labrum, which is the uh, the uh, 
the cartilage. Um, but yeah, look, I, 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 it's it was a really really tough one to tell what was going on. Uh, from that mechanism because it wasn't super obvious. So whether he's had, like, he copped a blow to it earlier, I'm not really sure. And just briefly, yeah, Felice, he, he definitely deserves at least a couple of games for that. Because, look, you know, it was a good hit, but I think um, I, you won't hear me agreeing with Freddie and uh, Joey too often when it comes to dangerous contact, but it was funny that on the footy show today they said, you know, it's a great hit, but you've just got to get it right. You've got to get it right. And I'm like, I absolutely agree. So I hope they say the same thing next time Wade Graham, you know, launches his shoulder up into some guy's head and it bounces off the ball and they say, yeah, you just got to get it right. It's a great tackle, yeah. but you got to get it right. And he didn't get it right. He was a little bit late. So, yeah, deserves deserves a bit of a holiday. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think the late hit stuff's just just bit stuff in my in my personal opinion. But, you know, that's, that's just where I've stood on that stuff for a long, long, long time. Next game, Brian, was the Roosters versus the Bunnies. Every game, this seems like everyone just loses their head, doesn't it? Like, it almost seems like the team who just doesn't lose the plot will actually just get the W. So, so, so there was no different the other night. It's just like just stupid stuff happening all the time. And I feel like that's just a recurring theme for these two teams when they seem to match up against each other. But injury-wise, we've got Harley Saleh had a concussion. So he had Category 1 symptoms there. So he's confirmed concussion. Um, Shaq Mitchell had a foot injury. And then Joey Manu's facing one to two weeks with a high tackle. But he also had a facial, facial laceration as well there, Brian. Do you want to give us a rundown of injuries from that game? Yeah, so Hammy Selly about as clear Category One symptoms uh, signs as you can see. He, you know, was clearly concussed, uh, so he'll miss eleven days for sure. Shaq Mitchell with the foot, I didn't really see a mechanism as such for that one. So yeah, that one's a bit of a wait and see. The Rabbitohs usually give a pretty good um, injury update, the, so we'll get more information there. The Joey Manu one was a was a strange one because oh, like at the end of the day, I think it was Michael Cheekham got binned for it, but I actually think what opened up his facial cut was Cam Murray, a bit of a head clash when Cam Murray sort of came in. I actually went back to watch the footage because I was a bit worried that he'd like refractured it. And it did seem to me that Cam Murray's head kind of, like he didn't headbutt him, but it was more like as he was running in and they kind of came together, it, it looked like Cam Murray's sort of head came forward and caught him under the eye. So I'm hoping, and I think Trent Robertson was the same, like you, it's exactly the same side where he had the facial fracture earlier in this year so you know mm. it's not tough if you cop another blow around there um, and it did blow up so hopefully it's just a cut and not another fracture but in saying that he's already got you know a week off and the buy so you know even if it is a small facial fracture usually guys are back in three to four weeks anyway so he might not even miss any more footy than he would need to but yeah just hopefully he hasn't refractured I guess is the big thing. Very good. Nothing more to add there from my perspective either, Brian. Titans versus Storm were the next one. Jesus, Storm have started off poorly this year, haven't they? They're missing – or granted, they're missing a lot of cattle, but not a very Storm-like performance for them. So concerns from this game. So this was pre this game was Sam Verrills was a confirmed collarbone fracture, which is going to now require surgery. So that's really tough luck for Sammy Verrills. He was playing good footy those first mm-hmm. couple of games. Um, Jamie Jolliffe, as we mentioned last week, had a pec injury. He's looking like surgery for that. And then Jerome Hughes is facing one to two matches out on the sidelines with suspension too, Brian, isn't he? Yeah, mate. It's uh, Look, that was a bit of a shocking match from the Storm. Or like once again, I thought they were you know pretty poor last week and poor again this week. Look, all these, I guess the injuries are from 
earlier in the week. We just found out about Joloff that he does need surgery, so he'll be out for at least sort of 10 to 12 weeks. Sammy Verrill's, I think, an interesting one there. I did post a sort of an update on uh, on Patreon about it, how initially they came out and sort of said he could only be missing a few weeks, and by what I've been told and sort of what my initial thought of was it, it, it they were hoping he could avoid fracture, uh, sorry, surgery, and that it was just a small fracture around the previous plate that was there, but I think they reviewed with, uh, they actually reviewed with multiple specialists and it's pretty much come down that he does need surgery again which is yeah really unfortunate so they're gonna have to go in and put in what I assume is a longer plate in um into the collarbone to sort of shore it up because you do have an increased risk of uh of fracture sort of in around the ends of the plate um, because the tensile strength of steel and bone the difference in that I think it's tensile strength this is taking me back to you know physics and all that kind of stuff but there is a difference in those two sort of materials so there is an increased fracture risk around there so he's going to need that shored up with surgery so he'll miss at least sort of around that six to eight weeks at best um which is yeah not what they were hoping no definitely not i think um it's really really big shame there for sam verrill so especially if it's around a similar side and i guess we've we've talked about in the past about the complicated nature of those surgeries um the risk of complications with collarbone surgeries i guess for everyone listening brian you'd see a fair few people that don't necessarily require surgery on their collarbone despite some gnarly looking fractures hey hundred percent, mate. Yeah, it's um, you know, like uh, certainly from a community sports standpoint, and even sort of up into you know that pre-elite area, guys are usually trying to avoid surgery if they can. You know, you avoid the risk of infection and scar tissue and all the things that come with surgery. You don't have the metalware in there, which does have an increased risk of uh, a fracture around it and those kind of things. Obviously. Uh, sometimes, you know, you end up with that little bit of a bony protrusion there and stuff like that, which aesthetically, you know, you might not like all the best. But, uh, yeah, we, we generally try to avoid surgery if we can. Cowboys Warriors was the next game, Brian. They're a bit of a boil-over win for the Warriors, so good on them. Good to see them playing some pretty consistently good footy to start the year. Wade Egan, very clear concussion in this game, wasn't that? was very clear Category 1 um, symptoms there. Mitch Barnett was the other injury concern there. It looked like a hyperflexion injury of his neck, so it's been reported as a neck nerve injury or like a burner-type injury. What up, other updates do you have from that game? Hey, low key, I was pretty concerned about Barnett. Like, I, like I was, I was hopeful initially I was like, oh, look, you know, it's just that hyperflexion. He's more than likely, uh, I was actually reading some studies just the other day because I had a patient, well, not just the other day, I think it was late last year, had a patient who had a hyperflexion neck injury. And, and there's a few studies out there now where they were talking about, which doesn't surprise me, is that axial load, so that's like a blow to the top of head that like compresses the spine, is actually a lot more dangerous than those hyperflexions for any sort of neck, you know, spinal cord, you know, those kind of things. So I was definitely hopeful that he would was um, he was going to be okay and it was just going to be a severe burner. But then looking into his previous medical history, um, which, you know, I like to do for different injuries for guys. So he actually had a disc fusion in his neck in 2020, Mitch Barnett, and it kind of gave me, uh, like I'm sure you're aware of the case too, James, mm. Mossy Masoy over in um, yeah, over I do the remember. UK. Yeah. So he yep. had a similar sort of fusion in the past and then copped a, his was an axial load, so a blow to the top of the head, um, which compressed his spine. And the where the fusion was actually kind of half failed, and that's kind of what 
you know, resulted in, um, from what I understand or what, I, what I've read, uh, that's what resulted in the, the, the spinal cord injury. So that gave me a little bit of nerves. Like I wasn't about to, you know, go about and tweet about stuff like that for such a sensitive injury and, and those kind of things. But thankfully, uh, yeah, like the initial sort of hopes were realised. He went back with the team uh, and it was by all accounts and by what it sounds like just, you know, a, like a really bad stinger or a burner. So a stinger or a burner is effectively either compression or stretching of those nerves so they run out of the neck down into the arm uh so yeah he'll uh hopefully if everything you know settles down well i think he should nearly be good to go next week and then yeah wade egan i think likely category one i don't think it's been confirmed but yeah i mean if there was a category one from the weekend hammy selly was probably oh my goodness a, and then yeah. wade egan was probably exhibit b i reckon yeah he was pretty graphic wasn't he um yeah. i don't think there's any other things i would want to add from that sort of that game there, Brian. So we might move on to the the other big game of the round, which is the Broncos v Dragons. What a weird game oh, this one, how it sort of turned out. Yeah, it looked like the Broncos were all over it, but it was a really good game of footy. Um, but the Broncos roll on. So you won't see me complaining about anything for the next seven days until they front up against the Rickliffe Dolphins. Only concern from this was Ezra Mann with a neck hawk. Wouldn't expect him to miss time, I don't think, Brian, would you? No, mate. He looked fine in the second half. The only reason I included it in the run sheet is because I just had that many messages about it. Uh, Broncos fans, mate, they're, they're up and about this. That's how you know that a team is up and about, right? Like, I, I've usually got my, you know, you know when a super coach player gets injured because, you know, the, there'll be that many messages. So like, what's the matter with this guy? Ezra Mam, I wouldn't say a noted super coach. Like, I, I assume his ownership isn't high. But, mate, Jesus, did I get flooded with DM requests as soon as he suffered that knee injury. Because I think the Bronx fans, mate, they can smell it. They know it's there. It's, yeah, it's a good I'll, I'll tell you the history behind that, Brian, and this is just my angle on it. But when, if you're someone in my sort of age bracket, in your mid-30s age bracket, we collectively grew up with the Broncos being the best team, the most arrogant team. We had all the superstars. We had, like, most of the Queensland Maroons. So there's an arrogance to Broncos fans that always exists. Yeah. It was sort of... It's been suppressed there for a little bit with some bad years, but now the Broncos are firing again. The arrogance is coming back. I can feel it in my bones coming back, and I'm I'm enjoying it, actually. I'm really enjoying the sense of superiority I'm having over other um, football supporters when the Broncos are flying. Because when they're flying, there is really no better feeling, but there's also no more arrogant fan fan base than the Broncos. I would say that as well, Brian. Would you agree? Oh, mate, yeah, there. Look, like I grew up, you know, in and around the Bronx and stuff like that, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Like they are as good as it gets in those in those nineties thousands, early thousands kind of range. So uh, yeah, look, I, I I can't begrudge a Broncos fan for uh, for being up and about, seeing the guys, you know, do what they did the other night. I was a bit worried about them in the first half, as I'm sure a lot of people were, but yeah, they just showed. Amazing, uh, amazing. The one thing I will say, which is something that I love, uh, you know, getting old Mick Sini, my dad, uh, we like to have a chat about how the Broncos are going. But they, look, this is the kind of stuff that they showed last year. Like, I think people forget they were a top four side, um, you know, last year. And then they just obviously got, I don't know, got too big for their boots or something happened. They lost a million games to end the season and fell out of the eight. So they're looking really, really good. The hope is just that they, you know, there's not a repeat of last season in there and that they can keep it going. Totally agree, Brian. Bulldogs versus the Tigers was the next game. So Tommy Talao has been confirmed as a broken nose that needs surgery. That was the fallout from the Jackson Hastings high tackle last week. People might recall there was a bit of stuff 
after the game, um, after the post-game interview there with Hastings and Talao and David Kalema sort of chiming in, um, being the good bloke that he is. The other people of note there, Dane Laurie with a knee concern and friend of the show, Adam Dewey, has a bruise be- beneath his big toe is what sort of has been reported in the media. So I wonder if that's more of a turf type yeah. thing, Brian, or if it's something different. Nail on the head, my friend. Like, tell me you've got turf toe without calling it turf toe, I reckon, mm-hmm. because, like, what else is a bruise? Like, how are you going to get – because when I first heard bruising the foot, I'm thinking, okay, has he copped, like, a knock to it or, you know, someone stepped on it or something like that. But, like, a bruise beneath the big toe, f- in physio terms, there's not many structures under there. Like, it's hard to cop a bruise from contact underneath your big toe like you're more than likely going to have to have sprained something under there for there a bruise to be there and that's usually though that connective tissue underneath the big toe look i'm big enough to say and everybody on here knows anybody listening knows how big i was and um dewey heading into the season this gives me massive pause um number one because turf toe is something you can play through but it is something that has performance implications. So you lack, when you try and get that push off, so you, you're trying to explode off the mark, that puts a lot of pressure on the structures underneath your big toe. If you have pain under there, that is going to limit you a little bit. He will be getting pain-killing injections, all that kind of stuff. But this is new information for us. This is stuff that we didn't have in the preseason. So I am more than, you know, like as big as I am on Dewey as a, you know, season-long prospect, something like this gives me big hesitation. I think he's been, you know, pretty, I think he was pretty average in the game today from what I saw anyway. But he just didn't, he didn't seem to have that push off. He wasn't great last game either. Um, who knows, you know, when he said, like there's been no details from the Tigers as to when he suffered it. But this put What's Dewey on the big, like, if he has another bad game for me? Like, I think it's obvious anyway because, you know, potentially the Tigers are going to play around with their lineup and stuff like that. Wakeham looked pretty good. But just from a pure injury standpoint, this is an injury that I don't like because it's one that might not he might not need, you know, several weeks on the sideline for, which makes it an easy decision. But it is something that he can kind of play through and and just continue not being as good, like being out there but not being as good, which I hate those. That's like a rib, you know, a rib cartilage or something like that. I do not like them. So I own a lot of Adam Dewey in draft, which, you know, is is heartbreaking because, yeah, I was hoping it would be a lot longer into the season before we were dealing with a, a new injury uh, in this case. But uh, certainly in classic, I think I'm big, uh, big sort of, yeah, my fingers hovering over the trade button for this kind of injury as such. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that one. I think I've got a fair share of him in standard as well. I don't have him as much in draft format just because of the way my teams have been built, coincidentally. But I do agree with you that with if it is confirmed turf toe, you probably you're all more on the side of trade than sort of see how it goes. I think I, I wouldn't be sort of mucking around with someone of that value. And I love doing. Um, I love him. Absolutely. I'm sure you're in a the position. Same. That, like, yeah, 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 absolutely. In a position that's deep as well, you got a lot of options at six. Yeah. So I wouldn't have too many hesitations in in trading, despite the fact he's got a very high ceiling for super coach yeah. purposes. And you can't deny that. But this is a big, big, big sort of thing that yeah, it murkies the waters there moving yeah. forward, doesn't it? Because it's a tough injury to play through. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think it limits performance. It, it, it ticks all those boxes for the injury that 
Like, you know, I think people listening sort of, you know, would hear like, you know, I don't know, a broken foot and be like, oh, like that's really horrible for Supercoach. But I'm like, but you know that that guy's going to be out for six weeks and then he's going to be back and he's probably going to be relatively okay, right? This is the kind of injury where I reckon we give the most value to our listeners or to patrons or whoever is that this is an injury where he might be named every week. But, like, I don't think... I think if it is turf toe, um, and I'm, I'm going to give him another week, definitely, um, at the very least, to potentially another couple of weeks. But if, if we find out this is a turf toe somewhere along the way, I'm going to be really sort of, yeah, really hesitant to hang on to him. Yeah, nicely said, Brian. I don't think there's anything else apart from that on Adam Dewey. What about Dane Laurie and Tommy Talao? Any other comments there? Yeah, not really. Dane Laurie, there wasn't much that we could go off, unfortunately. And then Tommy Talao. Look, I will say about Tommy Talao, actually, like usually guys play through broken noses, so it must have been a really, really bad one because it's very rare for guys to get surgery in season. Like usually they'll leave it till the off season or they'll leave and leave it, you know, like your likes of Blake Ferguson. <laughs> yeah. Like they'll yeah. leave it till post career because like, what's the yeah. point you're going to get it broke? Like, you know, if you cop another blow, you just break it and you've just ruined, you know, wasted your time getting surgery. But effectively I, I assume what that means is that, you know, something must've been blocking his airway or, you know, something, an alignment issue that just, he wasn't able to, you know, sort of overcome. So they've had to have surgery. So he'll be out for a couple of weeks. Yeah, very good, Brian. We'll move to the very last game of the week. Raiders get the upset there over the Sharks, although the Sharks are missing Nico. I guess that's probably a coin flip game more than anything else. Mm. Danny Levi was confirmed as a broken jaw. Nick Potrich was a hamstring strain, and Braden Trindle had an ankle injury, Brian. Give us a bit of an expected time frames for those three players. Yeah, mate, I'm just reading on the uh, telly website as we're going that they, like, the Danny Levi one must have been pretty brutal. Like, I'll self-admittedly, I was out to dinner tonight, um, so I did miss this game. But I have gone back to sort of have a look at a few different things. And, yeah, the Levi one looked pretty brutal. They said on the Telegraph they were searching for his teeth on the yeah. on the ground. So, yeah, not a fun one. So, look, that's going to be at least like a – like, that's not a minor jaw break. That's a pretty significant one. So, he'd be looking at at least six weeks. But those – Bradley broken jaws can extend out to 10 weeks um, in, in really nasty cases. So I think the Raiders are pretty well stocked in that hooking position, though. Like, they've got Tommy Starling and the oh, the young fellow. His name Simon Wolford as well, That's yeah. It. Yeah, the Wolford, he um, looked pretty good last season as well. So I don't think they'll be too... Um, put off there. Nick Cottridge, uh hamstring strain. They haven't sort of indicated what type of severity that is, but as per usual, even a minor hamstring strain, you're usually looking at a two-week return to play, so potentially not next week, but the week after. Braden Trindle was cobbling around with ankle injury. I haven't had time to sort of knuck, knuckle down exactly where he suffered that. I did sort of see some footage of him hobbling around, and I think, if I check correctly, that uh, a good friend of my uh, many of my fantasy teams, Sifatalakai was taking Ooh. some of the conversions at one point. And you I'm don't like, mind that. Yeah, I'm like, oh my goodness. So uh, you know, sign me don't up for that. a bit of a bit of that moving forward. But uh yeah, look I, I look with Trindle he played out the game, so hopefully it's nothing too nasty. Yeah, Nico in the wings there, he's sort of expected about round five, isn't he, Brian? So they might just sort of need Trendle to gut it out another week or two maybe. Yeah, there has been talk. I think Nico himself said potentially he could be back next week. Um, But, yeah, it's been a bit of a, a, you know, next week, next week, next week, next week with uh, Nico. So I'll believe it 
when I look, as I've said a million times with calves, calves you don't tend to have, although I will talk about later why I think this one's a little bit different, um, but calves, they're just notorious for prolonged rehabs, right? Like you can say, and there were reports that he could be back in round one. Here we are in round three and he's still not back and not a certainty for next week either. So this is just your stereotypical calf strain. This is how they go. Yeah, very well put, Brian. What we'll do now is wrap up the weekly injuries and then go straight into the questions from Patreon this week. So like we, like Brian mentioned earlier, you can follow him on Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash NRL physio. If you want content, if you want answers to questions, if you want physio advice, if you want life advice, or if you want dating advice, if you want advice on anything at all, Patreon's where you've got to go to get those answered by Brian. So Patreon questions are this week, Brian. The first one is on the Channel 9 game, Brandon Smith said he had torn his oblique and it actually wasn't a rib injury. Does this alter your views on his output moving forward? And I guess would you sort of keep him in your team if you started with him in standard? Mate, like, uh, look, he scored, let's have a look here. He scored 54 this week with a try. Um, The obliques, you know, are a muscle in around the ribs anyway, in terms of expectations, I said um, on Patreon last week at the time, it does not change my approach to him in that an oblique strain relatively similar to a rib injury, it hurts a lot. It doesn't keep you out for a long period of time generally. So, you know, he returned to play this week. Uh, but it's just super painful and it's easy to aggravate. So it's very, very similar to a rib cartilage injury. I think, you know, like once again, for our purposes as physios, it's, you know, good to get that clarification in terms of where it's coming from. But for you guys as like fantasy and super coach coaches, uh, like I would approach it the same way. Look, he obviously got through this week, I presume, without an aggravation. But like scoring 54 with a try, I think his base all up was like less than, what does that put him at? Less than 30 for base, you know, over that period of time. Like you can't really be happy with that. Um, He played 55 minutes. So like they're pretty good minutes, like 55, 60 minutes was probably where I expected him to be. To only have a base of 30 in that time, yeah, look, like I'm not, I mean, if you've got him, if you've held him through that, maybe you've got bigger fires to put out. But, I, look, I'm not rushing to get him back in in any means. If you've still got him, I would not be against trading him out. Um, you know, like, if you've got... If you don't want to ride him through those price drops and those kind of things, like, it's it, it's something that will take, you know, three to four weeks to settle down if he doesn't suffer an aggravation every week. So I'm not expecting him to hit, you know, massive highs for over the next three to four weeks regardless. Yeah, I think he's playing the long game there with Brandon Smith, isn't he? If you really believe in the talent, you probably could go long on his prospects in Supercoach. They do have the buy next week, but he may not be completely back to 100% even with the buy off next week for the Roosters. So I think if you're going to go, you've got to go long with the Roosters boys there in mind, especially Brandon Smith. Second question from Patreon, Brian, is about can you talk a bit more about why you think Kalen Ponga moving to a safer position is a bad thing. Um, there might be reasons for it, but there's a few people saying, I don't really understand that um, at this point in time. Do you want to explain what your thoughts are around Caelan Ponga moving to a statistically safer position on the field? Yeah, so I just had a few, I had two questions on Patreon about this. Guys just wanted me to elaborate on what I sort of meant there um, because they just were a bit confused because once again, as we've spoken about, 5.8 five, historically seems to have a lower concussion rate 
a lower injury rate, those kind of things. So why I was like, and maybe I didn't get across clearly enough last week, and anybody who has played any sport at at, at a certain position knows exactly what I'm talking about. But when you have played a sport, you have instincts in that sport. You have natural kind of things that you don't even have to think about. It just happens. So when you play, like I I played a lot of center, um, center and wing in my day because I was fast and not much else. Um, So they put me out in center and wing. But when I played in those positions, I knew, you know, generally where contact was coming from. I knew where players were. I had those instincts about, you know, like you're defending in the front line. You have that instinct of, oh, you know, it's the fourth tackle I get back. They're not generally things you have to think about they're things that you generally because you've done a hundreds thousands of times over and over and over again it's just it just becomes natural to you and I think that's what I'm talking about whether it's Ponga or whether it's Jack Bird was the example I used it's you got these guys coming off these major injuries which knocks their confidence which knocks their sort of you know physical I don't know like drive and those kind of things. So they're coming back maybe a little bit hesitant and then you take them to a position where they're not completely natural. They haven't played it, you know, for their entire careers. It's not a position they're used to. So they lack a little bit of that instinct. So that's sort of where, like, Ponga, when he's going into contact, even though he makes tackles from fullback, he hasn't made 20 a game every game of his career for the last like five or six years, right? A lot of the tackles he's making are from a fullback position, which are different tackles to those being made when you're in the front line at 5'8". You know, like it's just different contacts, different ways you approach those kind of situations. So, yeah, that was my main thing is you're taking away that how easy it is for players to go back and play the position that they like and that they know well and they have instincts in coming off a, a major injury situation. They had pretty good instincts in Origin 3 last year. I know I've said that oh a few boy. times, Brian. And where was he Jesus, playing, James? Like, where was he playing? Yeah, fullback. yeah, where was he playing? Yeah, fullback. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's that's all I want to say about Callum Pong. I think we've talked about him yeah. very extensively in the past. My thoughts about that situation haven't really changed at all. I think it's just been poor recruitment and roster construction and coaching by the Knights there. And I, I feel for Callum Pong because... I'm sure the Dolphins were throwing him a big old check, Brian. And <laughs> mate, they, watch the Dolphins he, documentary, mate. Wayne, so- can you? Oh. Yeah, I I thought about him and Munster the other day, given the situation that those two teams are in <laughs> at the moment. And I just wonder if there's a bit of regret there from KP and Munster about you know getting to this team. There's so much hype. You know, you're in beautiful Queensland. There's mate, a lot of upside. They would have come. They would have been offered an absolute bag too. Like, yeah, let's be honest. So. So can you – yeah, there must be a little bit of remorse, I would say, for both of those no, boys. No right. Redcliffe spirit in either of them. No Redcliffe well, spirit. Well, that's right. If they don't have the spirit, you don't want them, do you? So <laughs> tell your story walking from that point of view. Question number three, Brian, is when is Cam Munster back? Speak of the devil. Any performance concerns once he returns to the field? Uh, no performance concerns. I think this is a quick one. It'll either Like they've said round five, but I think he's a good chance for next week, especially with Hughes out. I think they'll really push for him back. So I'm expecting him. I, I would say it's more than likely he's back next week rather than round five. Yeah, I think it's hard to see high super coach output there, to be honest, just given the state of the team yeah, with Melbourne yeah, at present. Yeah. I think I think they're, they're in a bit of a phase where they're really going to battle there. I think there's sort of that that middle table, lower end of the eight sort of table finish this year by all, well, from what I can see anyway, from, from a starting point. They do have a lot of guys who seem to be nicked up or half banged up and things like that. So I think it's going to be a bit of a tough year for Bellamy to be able to coaching at the Storm, I, w- I would say. Brian, would you agree? 
Yeah, that that's exactly right. I think any performance concerns that you've got from Munster are about the performance of the team, not about his performance necessarily, like in terms of like broken finger kind of stuff. Because yeah, the storm. I don't know, mate. Like they've look. I like you know. I, I sound like I'm a storm apologist, and I've been accused of that many, many times. But they are dealing with them, and the Knights are right up there. And I'm yeah. sure someone out there. I think the Roosters are pretty nasty as well. But there are some teams out there dealing with some pretty hefty injury tolls. So and the, yep. the storm are definitely one of them. So yeah, like you can forgive them a little bit there, but um, yeah, I've I've been a bit surprised by how uh, how poorly they've started the season. Yeah, I agree. Very last question now, Brian. So this is from your dynasty team that you're in <laughs> from a fantasy football perspective. So in that that um that league, so what those Warriors must have got the chocolates over you this he week because they're giving you a bit of Everyone bit of grief did. on on the inbox. But what are you going to do to fix up your dynasty team? Is the question. Do you want to give us the detail of what's doing with your dynasty team, what your thought process is, and how you're going to. Fix almost turn them into and turn them into world beaters. What oh, are you going to do to pep the boys up this week? I am I am, dynasty league for those listening who don't know is where you draft a team and then you get to keep that team effectively in perpetuity. So once you've drafted them, they're yours forever and ever. You don't draft again every year. Um, I love dynasties as a, a different thing. In this dynasty league, I took the approach of just drafting the best young guns I could find, which has left me at a point where I'm not even fielding a team every week. But the good news is that this particular league did not have any rules in place about needing to field a team every week, which a lot of the Disney leagues, particularly in NFL, do have that I have been involved in. And the number one thing which lent me towards the approach in this league is that they run uh, reverse ladder position waivers. So in other words, if I'm last in the league, I get the first waiver pick every week, which in a Disney league is Awesome. So this is very, very planned. My team in that league, in my opinion, for a dynasty league is very, very stacked because I've got a lot of the younger guys who are just going to be absolute worldies, I think, in the years to come. Blake Moser, uh, Siwa Wong, uh, Jack Howarth, you know, these kind of guys. KL Eero from the Sharks. Like, oh, man, I just look at my roster and I'm so excited. So I'm going to be last this year. I accept that, but I'm going to have the first waiver pick most weeks. And I'm going to go into the next couple of years with a really, really strong side, which I'm excited about. So good on you, Watto's Warriors. I think you gave me a touch-up. I think most guys will. But, uh, yeah, definitely excited for that team moving forward. But I will uh, keep moving, James. We won't talk about my dynasty leagues all that much. We'll talk about somebody who actually has some super coach expertise. We'll go to super coach corner and talk about yourself. Cause once again, you've absolutely wiped the floor with me. This is not my year for classic super coach. Hit me with your scores and what your trade plans are. It was very complimentary, Brian, and it is early days, mate. So keep your head up. Oh, um, work trading, hard. Trade like a demon. Yeah. Trade like a demon or yeah, trade your way out and never look back. <laughs> so this week I've gone 1033 pending updates from Sunday night. So I got pretty lucky this week, Brian, because I had the VC on turbo, so I was going to run the loop there, but then Dewey was touch and go, so I couldn't really have two auto-emergency options there for a loop turbo, so I ran the risk in Captain Harry Grant, which actually worked out really well, and it probably wouldn't have mattered either way because Harry Grant and turbo scored quite similarly. And this week, I guess trade-wise, I'm probably looking at trading out Trent Liero and Braden Willie Army from the Warriors there. I... I might be looking at Schuster in at second row forward and Tyrell Sloan as a centre wing option. I just think Tyrell Sloan, there's a bit on offer there and Schuster is just at a price point that's very, very cheap. And 
after that, I could probably look at getting like a Keon Colomitangi or an Eli Katoa in the weeks moving forward. I just think that would be a really nice thing to get into my team sooner, sooner rather than later. Because after watching the Bunnies on the other night, Brian, yeah. I just looked at Colomitangi and I feel like he's even the best second row forward at the Bunnies. Even with Cam Murray in that team, I just thought he was so impressive the other night. He goes 80. He's got a really good little combo with Lockie Elias. I just think there's really good upside there to Colomitangi this year. He scored really well already. Um, he's got some attacking upside. I think he's got a very super coach friendly game. So that's probably my initial thoughts on a Sunday, pending how teams look as the weeks shape up. How did you go this week, Brian? Give us the rundown of what's happening in your team. Mate, I'm, I'm back to being a draft guy again this week. I uh, I think I won three of my uh, four main leagues, uh, lost to you in our home league, which is quite devastating, my uh, you know biggest loss for the week. But you've got a pretty good team in that league, so I'll let you have that one. I will mention that uh, in the Magic Sponge Invitational, I'm now on top after you took a loss with, I think it was the third high score or something for the league, so... Sucked in, champ, is all I'll say. Yeah, yeah, I got rinsed this week, so you, you, can, you, can, you can tell me to suck on. I'll appreciate that. So, yeah, I'm back to being a draft expert because classic-wise, uh, 960 this week, another horrible. Like, it started great. I had the balls to Captain Turbo straight up because I just felt like he yeah. was ready to go and I was pretty confident in that. But, yeah, mate, had, like, Christian Welsh, Cotter, um, Walker, Sam Walker, Katoa, Dewey, Warbrick, all sub 40, just absolute trash. I ended up getting spooked by Paddy Carrigan. Thanks, Kevy, for saying he was doubtful because doubtful to me pretty much means that he's got a less than 25% chance of playing. So freaked me out. And so I went, right, um, I can't get Walsh in because otherwise my second row forward would have been pretty lackluster, so I'm going to get a Katoa in, which, look, I'm still really happy with that trade, but not getting uh, Walsh in for Teddy, and I could have gone... Like, these two trades are exactly what I was going to do, so my trades are Walsh in for Teddy, and then Harry Grant in for either Wade Egan or Tana Boyd, depending on um, if Egan is ruled out, which I think he will be, um, and then yeah, and it cost me, like, a bazillion points, I reckon, like, 100, 100 points or something like that, at least, yeah. which is a bit yeah. of a kick to the crutch, um, but and then I might even boost. I thought Payne Hass has looked really, really good. Um, I think the Broncos look good. Tear. Yeah, I think um, they've got all those games at Suncorp coming up. Like exactly what we talked about last week. Like I just think the Bronx. I think you need to load up. They don't have a buy for ages. I really think people have been missing out. And look, this is coming from a guy who just scored 960 and isn't going very well in Classic. But, um, yeah, I just think the Bronx are hot, and I think you need to ride that wave. The other thing, too, is I'm going to wait a week on Schuster, um, even though, like, because he's got another week until he increases in price. And I think I'll do that Loyero to Schuster trade next week is my plan. And then Nico, even if he's named, I do just want to see him. Usually I'm pretty confident on guys once they're named back from calf injuries, but there has been some suggestion. It's, it's been a bit of smoke and mirrors, but with them talking about the specific location of the calf injury is why it's taking so long. It makes me think it's a, tendon issue which I'm not as confident on tendons in terms of re-injury risk coming back so 
I just want to see him. And, mate, guys are getting calf cramps left, right, and center out there at the moment. Like, it is crazy how many guys are going down with calf injuries. Oh, sorry, not calf injuries, calf cramps and those kind of things. So I probably just want to eyeball both of those guys. Nico for the, at least the first week, and then Schuster and Tilly um, is going to have that price rise just to for a bit of safety because I think there's other fantastic options. If there was nobody else, like, you've already got Walsh and Grant, don't you? Um, yeah, I'll so do. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. if you've if you've already got those guys, then there might not be as many fantastic options for you. But for me, those two guys are like very clearly much higher priority for this week. So that's the way I'm going, and hopefully I can claw something back, mate, because I'm in a bit of trouble. Yeah, like you take on Payne Haas. I think looking at Christian Welsh and also Ruben Cotton in the front row. Yeah. I just expected both of those guys to be probably a little bit better. This week was a subpar week for them both, but I think in amongst the front row forwards, it's really pain Haas. And then I'm I'm probably just going to also take a look at someone coming back from a calf concern, Brian. Do you know who I'm talking about in the front row forward position here who plays for Canterbury Bulldogs? <laughs> might, might, be, might be having a look at Tavita Pangua Jr. because <laughs> I, I get really suspicious oh that the Bulldogs, God, there seems to be a bit of a good vibe around there. I'm looking at him <laughs> at about round seven. You are just talking yourself into this every yeah, time. I, yeah, and I'm all right with it. I'm, I'm prepared. <laughs> I'm willing. I'm going to accept my fate on this one, Brian. I, I like him better than Christian Welsh and probably Ruben Cotter. I just get this feeling that he's back and he's going to be good this year because there's minutes there at the Dogs. I think there's... There's minutes to be had there. I think they've got a sort of they've got an expansive game in compared to years gone by. There yeah, just seems to be a bit bit of a vibe there in Belmore. I'm about it. He is your kryptonite, mate. Like, I, like I think I love him too. Don't get me wrong, but I just look. I reckon you just got to trade him in the first week. His name just for how much you've love fested him this whole well, off season. Well, you were talking about blokes with calf injuries, and I was like, well, mate, there's, there's, a, there's a headline front row forward here that you're missing out on. I just thought everyone else would like to be aware of that. Mate, there's the pod play, TPJ, straight in. Once, straight in. Uh, once yeah. he's named, I love it, Yeah, mate. well, it worked out with Reese Walsh this week, so That's just true. just back yourself. I can't, believe, I can't believe I talked you into that, and I didn't even go through with it. Like, what am I doing yeah. with myself? Yeah, what's going on, mate? Just... Oh, mate. Buddy, Ke- I'll blame Kevy for that one. I, it can't be well, my fault, yeah. so I'm, gonna, I'm happy to blame Kevy. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> All right, guys, that's a wrap for this week. If you like the pod, the usual stuff, give us a review. Uh, that really helps us sort of rise up the recommendations um, on Spotify, Apple, whatever it is, or recommend to a friend. Uh, if you want more info like this, once again, patreon.com slash Physio is your place to go. But otherwise, James, mate, I hope by the time we talk next, you are a proud dad of two, a beautiful baby boy. I hope your lovely wife, Felicity, has a good week ahead. Um, I hope you both go really, really well, and I hope all of that goes really well up until Friday night at 7 o'clock when you watch <laughs> the Dolphins just run right over you um, and, and win like 40 mil. We'll see how it goes, Brian, but I appreciate the sentiments and the well wishes. Obviously, for listeners out there, if you've got any really good, strong male rugby league names, please please send them through <laughs> because we're open to rugby league name suggestions, or at least I am. I don't think my wife would be as keen on that, but hopefully it all goes well and we'll we'll talk again soon, Brian. Mate, I like I've still and I've said it, Darren, Greg, Cooper, Billy, Cameron Kurtz. I feel like that is it just flows off the tongue. Yeah, it does. I think if you put that on a birth certificate, they're just guaranteed to wear maroon either. <laughs> What more could you ask for? All right, (laughs) guys. uh, Look, have a great week, and we will talk to you all next Sunday night. Suspected broken left fibula.
suffering syndesmosis. After that stem cell injury that he's come back from. That's about it, mate.